0: Good morning, everyone. Good to see everyone this morning. So I sometimes tell a cheesy joke. It's unfortunate for you that you get to experience said cheesy joke, but there was a young girl, her name was Faith, and she used to walk to school every day. And on her way to school, there was another young boy who lived in the neighborhood that would come and walk beside Faith on the way to school every day. And she started to think it was quite weird that this young boy, would walk with her every day, no matter what, right by her side. And finally, she just broke the silence as he was walking with her and said, "Uh, why why do you always walk with me to school every day? And he said, well, my mom told me the just shall walk by faith. And so he walked beside faith every day to school. There's my cheesy joke for the day. You're welcome. I have a couple quick announcements for you guys this morning. Um, This Wednesday, we have our Bible Fellowship study. This is led by Caroline. They're doing the Purple Book study. And the Purple Book is a biblical foundations class. It goes over all the foundations and most of the topics that, as Christians, need to be addressed to understand your faith. And so they've been working on this for a while now. If you'd like to connect with it, though, each lesson is its own. So you can always uh, drop in for the topic that is that week. But talk with Caroline if you intend on uh, coming. She's in the blue sitting here. You can raise your hand. Talk with Caroline if you want to come to that. That's this Wednesday, 5.30, is the Purple Book Study. Then Friday, we have our youth night. Youth night is going to be a hangout time with me, and we're going to play some games. We're going to eat some food. We're going to have some prizes and snacks and all the good things. And that's this Friday from 6 to 8 o'clock. And last but not least, we have a $1.50 challenge. Yeah. A $1.50 challenge is with the sewing bees. So the sewing bees this Saturday are actually going to make a wall organizer. And uh, so if you want to find out more about that, you can talk with Janella. If you want to just come and sew and you just want to work on your own projects at home but need encouragement and fellowship of uh, other people sewing around you, come to this. It'll be this Saturday, 9 o'clock. Speak with Janella. She's in red at the back if you'd like to come or contact the church office. And that's all I have for announcements this morning. Do I miss anything? Oh, chronological. Yeah, we have chronological Bible study. So after church service at about 1030, people will head into the lounge and they go through the Bible in chronological order. They would go through this chronological study where it takes the scriptures, and they put them in the order of the events that happened. Sometimes there's multiple accounts in different books. So you might read all of Matthew and then read Mark, and you'll notice that it has the same stories. What chronological Bible study does is it puts those stories together. So when you read it in the one account, you can read it how Mark recorded the account and how Matthew and Luke and how, uh, it's a good way of being able to see the events in the order as they happened. And Ron has been leading this study for 11 years, I think, right? Yeah, 11 years. So if you want uh, some questions answered, he's a good one to go to. He has uh, a good insight into the word, and, and yeah, so that's this uh, afternoon, 10:30 after service, is our uh, chronological Bible study. And that's all I got for our announcements, so I'm just going to pray, and we're going to start talking about faith today. Isn't that funny that the joke was about faith, too? Oh, Steve, so good. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we just thank you in the name of Jesus that we get to come here and fellowship openly, that we uh, are able to be encouraged by your word, be encouraged by our brothers and sisters sitting beside us. And God, if there are things weighing on our hearts right now, the things that are bothering us, the things that happened this week that just haven't been able to shake loose, Holy Spirit, we invite you to give us peace, that we would release the things we need to forgive, that we would be active in that forgiveness, that we would go to those that we are not seeing eye to eye with and make right. Lord, I ask that if there are things that are making us sad, Lord, that you would give us the joy of the Lord. It says it's our strength. And so, Lord, we just ask that as we come to you this morning that you would be working and mending in our hearts and that not from the words of me, but God, that we would be encouraged by your word this morning, that the things that you have to say to us, especially about faith and what it means to walk out our faith, would be made known to us, that we would understand that and actually walk more like Jesus and more like the way you've created us and designed us to be because of who you are and who you've shown us who you are through Jesus. And so, God, we just ask for a blessing over this time. Anything that I shouldn't say, strike it from me or help them not remember it, and the things that I should place on my heart to share, and we just pray this all in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. All right, so I'm going to move this. So I'm going to get uh, my brother Brian ready to come on up here in a few seconds. He's going to be reading Hebrews chapter 11, and uh, how many of you guys have ever read the book of Hebrews? Hebrews? It's not about coffee, it's about the people. Hebrews is a very famous book. We actually don't know the author, he's not recorded in the book, so it's unknown, although some people associate with Paul or other first believers, but um, the author, whoever he was or she was, decided that they wanted to explore the idea of Jesus in connection with the Hebrew faith. And so what he ends up doing is he develops this whole argument for the first 10 chapters of the scroll. He starts talking about who Jesus is, what it means that he came, what it means that he is our high priest, someone who is go-between, between between you and the Father. He's your high priest. And he really develops this idea, and he spends 10 chapters diving into it, and it's deep. So we're not going to do that right now because... Well, we have to go home at some point, and uh, so ten, uh, we're going to skip the first 10, but just have that as your foundation. And at chapter 11, uh, the author makes this transition. He switches. He switches from explaining who Jesus is to how do you respond to the information of knowing who Jesus is as the high priest. And we get this very famous chapter of the Bible that many people call the faith chapter. Um, it's Hebrews chapter 11. And so as I invite my brother Brian to come up to read Hebrews chapter 11 to you, I'm going to explain. Uh, Usually these letters were written so that a whole congregation such as yourselves or a fellowship of families and people could come together and have the letter written to, written, to them out loud and usually in one sitting. Now, we're not going to read the whole book of Hebrews right now in one sitting, but I thought it would be a beautiful experience to have the whole chapter of Scripture so you could see what this author is developing about how do we respond in faith and some of the great examples of faith in in our uh, story of the Bible. So, this is Brother Brian. If he wants to come on up, give him a hand so he doesn't feel nervous.
1: No, I'm not nervous. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, brother. By faith. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what was seen was not made out of things that were visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, although he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found, because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household by this he commended he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith by faith abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance and he went out not knowing where he was going by faith he went to live in the land of promise as in foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob and heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that had foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him, that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, when he was tested, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, blessed each of the sons of Joseph bowing in worship over the heads of his staff over the head of his staff by faith Joseph at the end of his life made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones by faith Moses when he was born was hidden for 3 months by his parents because they saw the child was a beautiful and the child was beautiful By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, Amen.
0: A lot of the word faith in there. Did anyone notice that word? It might have been used a few times in that section of Scripture. It seems to be something that the author sees as core to those that walked and were the foundations of the faith. They're literally called the foundations of the faith... Because they walked according to the things that God had called them to. And they did wonderful things. And so he really wants us to know that each of these people was acting by faith. So he sees faith as the core. Now I'm going to open up the questions to you guys. Here's an open chance to respond. And don't be embarrassed, but faith has a little bit of a Christianese-like jargon to it these days. What does it mean? So I'm going to ask you guys, what do you think faith means? You can shout out what you think faith means. What do you think that means? Taking God at his word, yes. What else is faith? It's what you have when there's nothing else to hold on to. Everything's falling apart. It's what's remaining. It's solid, yeah. It's the hope of things not seen. seen. That's how the chapter starts in Hebrews 11.1. Usually, it's associated with a mental activity, the idea of faith, right? It's usually associated with an idea of a mental exercise. But I'm going to ask this question. Do any of these examples in Hebrew 11 seem like people that sat around contemplating life all the time? Were they just engaged in mental exercise, Moses and Abraham and Rahab and Samuel? No. No. They were men of action. It was their faith that caused them to act powerfully and differently than what the circumstances would normally, what you would think would be required. They act because they saw and experienced something that that had them believe. So they, they, it was more than just a mental exercise. It also has an action. And, And I also want to add, it's not just blind either. So we're going to talk about an example here. In fact, Kent shared this example a little while ago. You guys remember Brother Kent, worship guy? Um, he shared the story of the tsunami that happened many years ago here. And what had happened was the, there was a, one of the tragedies that happened in this tsunami was that there was a school tour down at the point. I think it was Lapa Hoy Hoy, And they were at the point, and they were touring, and the tide... Because the, ty- the tsunami was coming had actually pulled all the water out of the bay. And they could see the rocks and the fish and everything flopping around on the rocks. And they didn't realize that that was an indicator at that time that the tsunami was coming. And they went out and they played in the, on the rocks. And when the tsunami came, they were wiped out. It was, it's a, a tragedy. Now we have something that is supposed to warn us. You hear it on the first of every month. What is the first of every month? The tsunami warning sign, right? And when you hear that sign, especially if you hear it outside of on the first day of the month, what does that indicate? A warning that there is a tsunami coming, right? And so when we have an indicator or something that gives you good reason to believe that something's about to happen, say the tide pulls out and it doesn't make sense, or the tsunami indicator goes off, you have a, um, something to understand about what's gonna happen in the future. It indicates something that's gonna happen in the future. And what do you do? You act according to what it indicates. If it's a tsunami, what do you do? You leave, you go to higher ground. So faith, number one, it starts with a belief. It's not blind. Faith is not blind just because you come to church and you can't see God with your eyes doesn't mean that it's blind. Faith actually starts in a belief by seeing the indicator and putting your trust in it. When we read about Sarah, it says that she contemplated. When we read about Abraham, it says, well, I don't want to I forget the exact word, but I think it was considered. And these great people of faith are considering what God has shown them previously. To know what is coming and how to respond in the future so it's not an absence of thinking but in fact faith begins with thinking you have to be able to evaluate the evidence the indicator the warning signal whatever it might be and act in the future as though you know what's coming so it's not absent of thinking but it begins with thinking in fact the hebrews author really wants you to know faith is what you have when you know there is good reason to believe. It's when you have good reason to believe that you act accordingly. Because, I'll be honest, without good reason, if you had no indicator whatsoever and you act as though a tsunami's coming and you run screaming away, you'd be like, well, that's silly. To act without good reason is actually silly or dumb. God is not asking us to be silly or dumb. He's asking us to have faith. And faith looks at the evidence, the indicator, and the truth, and you put your belief into what that means. So when you see the indicator, say the tide is going out, or you hear the sirens going off, you evaluate what it means. You decide if you believe it or not, and you act accordingly. So I wanted you to think about this. We do not have blind faith as believers in God. I don't believe in God because I muster up enough emotion or blind enthusiasm, but I believe in God because of real experiences of who he is and the stories I've read in the scriptures and the testimonies of the people here sitting around me talking about their lives being changed and how God is impacting their life right now today. And I see it in mine. And I see it in the scriptures. And it's not blind. I put my faith in those real things. And I believe because God is faithful. He is worthy of me putting my trust in. And that's so... The first thing is that faith has to start with a belief. But what do you put that belief in? Is it nothing? Or is there something tangible that you have to put your faith in like God? Is God faithful? Is he worthy of your trust that's that's where you kind of got to start because if it's not blind you got to ask is that worthy well first of all he's considered the solid rock but that's a little indication of that he is pretty solid and faithful but rather than discuss it and you have to listen to me for a few more minutes i have a video about god's faithfulness if here. you
2: tried to describe what god is Good. like it could be difficult or daunting. that was quick But when the people who wrote the Bible pondered the mystery of God, they consistently described God's character in this way. Compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, overflowing with loyal love and faithfulness. We're going to look at this last characteristic of God. It's the Hebrew word emet, which can be translated as faithfulness or even truth. It's related to another word you've probably heard before, amen, which is an untranslated Hebrew expression, meaning that's truth so emet can mean truth and it can refer to correct ideas or concepts this is because emet has to do with stability and reliability like when moses holds up his hands for hours to defeat israel's enemies the amalekites his friends put a rock under him and support his hands so that his hands will remain emet or steady when emet is used of people it describes reliable and stable character or trustworthiness Like, when Moses appoints leaders in Israel, they're to be people of emet, people who are trustworthy, who won't take bribes or distort justice. So, to say that God is full of emet doesn't just mean that God tells the truth or stands for truth. It means that God is faithful and trustworthy. This is why Moses calls God a rock, saying that he's faithful, just, and upright. He's saying that he can trust God to be consistent to his character. And the Hebrew word for trust is actually the verb form of the word emet, it's he'emin. It can be translated as to believe or to have faith, but most basically it means to consider someone trustworthy or to trust. The first person we meet in the Bible who considers God to be trustworthy is Abraham. God makes a promise that Abraham and his wife Sarah will have a huge family and that through them, all nations will experience God's blessing. But Abraham and Sarah are really, really old, and they've never been able to have any children. And yet in the face of these challenges, Abraham means God. He considers God trustworthy to open a way forward. And God does show a to Abraham and Sarah. In just four generations, their descendants form a whole nation called Israel and God invites Israel into a trusting and faithful relationship. And when God leads them out of slavery in Egypt, Israel means in God. They trust and rely on him. But when they come to the land God promised to Abraham and they find out it's filled with giant cities protected by giants, their trust in God's emet fails but eventually we meet an Israelite who does trust God in the face of giants. It's David. He yells at the giant, you come with a sword and a spear, but I come with the name of the God of Israel. David consistently relies on God. In fact, it said that David walked in and met before God. So David considers God to be faithful and responds with faithfulness. This is why God promises to raise up a faithful descendant of David, whose kingdom will endure forever, or in Hebrew, have emet. This faithful king will become the source of trust and stability for others forever. But when the kingdom later collapses, the Israelites find themselves without a home and without a king and they cry out, Oh God, where is your loyal love that you swore to David in your Amet? They're accusing God of abandoning his promises to Abraham and to David. Is God trustworthy? Is he faithful after all? The first line of the New Testament is an answer to that question. This is the lineage of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. In other words, through Jesus, God fulfills his promises. Or as Paul says, Jesus came on behalf of God's faithfulness. He is the faithful king whose kingdom will endure forever and who invites all nations to trust God. Now, trusting anyone is risky. It's hard to know if anyone is really full of emet but the biblical story portrays a God who's been faithful all along and whose promises were fulfilled in the story of Jesus. And so as we look out at the obstacles facing us and our world, we're invited to take that same risk and join Abraham, David, and the people of God in trusting that God is overflowing with faithfulness.
0: Hello? Here we go. God is faithful. We don't blindly put our faith into something that isn't there. We actually have the stories of the scriptures and the experiences to see that God is faithful all the way up unto Jesus. So a faith starts with a belief, it starts with putting your trust in something reliable what does it end with? Well, part two of faith, it's two sides of the same coin, is that it ends with action. Faith starts with belief and it ends with action. In fact, faith faith has two sides on that coin. It's faith on one side, the belief, and on the other side is the action, how you respond to what you believe. Faith to say that I have faith in something but don't act according to it is not really my faith. I don't truly believe it, or I would act according to that truth. If the tsunami warning is going off and I don't run from the water's edge, I don't believe that the tsunami is coming. And so faith and action, they're like 50 50. It starts with knowing He is faithful. And then you act according to that faith. In the book of Hebrews, when he does the list of the heroes of the faith, he lists quite a few of them. Uh, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, Samuel, David, all these people of faith. And it's God is working through the faith by their actions. God is interacting and engaging through this world through your faith and through my faith. He works through your faith and by your actions. He's moving and accomplishing his purposes through the men and women of faith. That's why these are considered the founders, the the, the forefathers. Because he is accomplishing his purposes through those that are willing to listen and put their trust in him and act according to what he says, not what you might experience in a sinful, compromised world. We should therefore act day to day through the lens of this faith. And so I kind of came up with just a real brief overview, generic lens of our faith. But God created a good world. It was good. It's, he says it actually seven times in creation that he created it good, 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 very good. And we cause sin. Sin entered in the world because we decided to decide right and wrong for ourselves. But it doesn't end with God then terminating us or exiling us permanently. God is actually faithful. And he designs a plan to bring us back into unity with him, with his good world. And he proves he is faithful. As we read the scriptures, we read from Moses to Ab- or Sorry, uh, think of Noah, who is saved by faith. Moses, who goes back to Egypt, walks through a sea with water on either side of him, goes into battle with his hands raised against an enemy that is far more powerful. He shows he is faithful through these stories, that God is with those that dedicate their lives to trusting him. And it culminates in Jesus. This whole Old Testament in the scriptures is building up to this character that is going to fulfill this Messiah figure, this anointed one who's going to bring about redemption of the world and payment for our sins. And it culminates in this character. And so we see this story and we now look forward as though all those promises, heaven is now here on earth. That's how we live. As believers, we look at that, we look at the evidence, we see the, 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 the theme, the lens, we see it culminate in Jesus, and now we live our lives in faith that Jesus did rise from the dead, that he was the Messiah, that God didn't abandon his, abandon his creation, but gave us a hope and a future through him, and we look and live forward to that. So what's an example of one of the ways we can do that? Well, Jesus gave us a very convicting sermon in Matthew chapter 5. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And in that sermon, he talks about a lot of different things that we can do, but some of the hard things that he really nails down are things like forgiveness, generosity, loving your enemy, how to have healthy relationships, how to avoid gossip about marriage. Jesus talks on these things But according to today's lens, they're actually very different than how we would see it in today's circumstances. A lot of the ways we look at forgiveness is, well, do they deserve forgiveness? Did they ask for it? Did they actually make a difference? Or am I going to hold this against them until they do? What about in relationships? If the person isn't uh, meeting all the needs in the way you see it, then nowadays it seems to be about most of the marriages find different ways of finding a different partner that will meet them in the way that they think that their current partner cannot. Generosity. God asks us to be generous even when we have a little. That doesn't make sense. But we live according to the idea that there's more beyond what we have in our pocket. Loving your enemy. That's not a natural thing. You have to look at the f- and have faith that loving your enemy is actually the most important and powerful thing you can do for your enemy. Because the natural lens, without having an understanding of who God is and how he can use that love, you would say, he, they're my enemy, and you're at war with them. We look forward as though it has happened now. In fact, that's the Lord's Prayer. When Jesus gives the Lord's Prayer, he says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Is God's will being done in heaven? Amen, it is. Yes. And so your prayer is that you are acting in the way as though you live in heaven right now. You live according to those principles of forgiveness, generosity, loving your enemy, how to have healthy relationships. And we live accordingly. Faith and actions are a positive feedback loop. Do you know what a positive feedback loop is? What it is, is when you cause one thing, it causes another thing to happen that goes back to the beginning and causes it to start all over again. It's a positive feedback loop. Um, So as you, for example, if you're in a shouting match, this is a simple everyday experience, you're in a shouting match, you start getting louder, what do they do? They get louder back, then you get louder, then they get louder back, and that's a positive feedback loop. You're building upon what just happened, and it causes it to build up more in, in that direction. That's a positive feedback loop. But instead of looking at it as a negative in an argument, it's faith, as you give your faith into it and you act accordingly, you trust and see that God is faithful. You experience it, you taste it, you, you, you're tangibly changed by his faithfulness, so what do you have more of? Faith. And faith drives you back into action. And as you are acting upon your faith and you experience and taste this faithfulness, what does it do? It builds your faith again. And so faith and action are two sides of the same coin. My dad's favorite song when I was growing up, I asked him uh, when I was a kid, and I don't know if it's his the favorite song, but one of them was, and you may know this one, is Trust and Obey. Have you guys ever heard that song? Trust and Obey. (laughs) Oh, Brian, you... (laughs) Brian said, sing it. Instead, I'll read it, and maybe you'll even hear a little bit of a hum in there or a lyric. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his goodwill, he abides with us still and with all who trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Not a shadow can rise, not a cloud in the skies, but a smile quickly drives it away. Not a doubt or a fear, not a sigh or a tear can abide while we trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Then in fellowship sweet, we will sit at his feet or we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says we will do, where he sends we will go, never fear, only trust and obey. And 'tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him o'er and o'er, Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. One of the things he also would challenge me with was this hypothetical situation that if Christianity became illegal overnight and it was no longer allowed to be a Christian in America and it was totally illegal and you could get arrested for it, he would look at me and he would say, would they have enough evidence to arrest you? And that is the action if you say and follow this idea of God created the world, there's sin, he's coming, he provided Jesus, he's coming again, do you live differently? Or do you live exactly as though everyone else around you does and just say and have this faith in your heart? It has to come out in an action. So let's consider your world. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with some ideas. I want you guys, faith is not an absence of thinking. If you have questions... I want you to explore them. If you're not sure why the Bible seems to present itself this way or that way, I don't want you to have blind faith. I want you to dive into that question, and I want you to get intimate with God so that you can have that satiated, so that that feeling can actually build your faith. It's something that you used to shy away from, that you were concerned about. Maybe you didn't know or understand this topic. Dive into it. Build your faith. Move towards it. So if you have questions, don't let it be blind. There's enough evidence to have a solid foundation to put your faith in. Consider your world. Look at the world around you. Do you see creation? Does this come from chance? Is there such a thing as going against the law of entropy where everything tends to disorder and only it seems God's creative power can actually provide the order to keep things like gravity and solar systems in alignment? Or how chemical reactions work? Do you see in creation a good God? Do you also see in your creation a compromised creation in sin? Do you see anger and hate, warfare, terrible things? Don't be shy of these things, because as you pursue God and seek Him in His Word, you'll see that's actually in alignment with how He says the world is. It's a good world compromised by sin. You don't need to shy away from these things. Consider your world. Does it align with what Scripture says? And then move towards the truth. Move towards the truth. Don't be lazy in your faith. If you start to see that God is faithful and he's answering your questions, move towards the truth. Get up. Go. Become a man of action. The Hebrews, actually, in Deuteronomy, there's a famous verse that they say almost every day and at least once a week. It's called the Shema. Shema. And in the ver- it starts off with, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it goes on, but that word, Hear, O Israel, Shema, here, it actually has two meanings. Do you know what it is? Trust and obey, or believe and obey. And so move towards the truth. And here's a challenge for us as well. Examine your life. When you look at your relationships that you have with your friends, your family, whoever, if you, when you look at how you spend your free time and what you do and what you think about and where your mind is at most of the day, examine it. Examine your finances. Do you live as though and spend money as though you are a follower of the Messiah? How do you present yourself to others? Do, you, do people see the joy of the Lord in you and forgiveness and compassion? Examine your life. And see, does it exemplify what our faith is all about? Is it what you believe is exemplified in your life? And that's very humbling because as I say those things like, how are my relationships? How do I spend my time or my finances? it, It can be convicting. Yes, there's more. And so I wanted to close with this last idea on faith that Daniel actually talked about a while ago is, each person, imagine faith as a scale where there's like Jesus and being perfect on one side and the most evil sinner you can imagine on the other. And this is your scale of faith. And let's say there's somebody that, who's actually pretty good. You know, they're, they're not bad. They actually are uh, fairly honest. They are generous a little bit. They might start on the scale a little bit over here, maybe a little more closer to that side. This is all hyperbole. Um, but these might start a little bit there. But if they never move in their faith any closer, if when they encounter Jesus and they encounter God and His goodness and it challenges them to move closer to that, and they don't move, how much faith are they showing? As if they don't move any closer. Now I'm going to give you an example of another person. This person over here might be your most horrible person that you would never want to be around. They're a liar. They're a cheat. They steal from you whenever they're around. And they have a life encountering change with Jesus. And based off of their faith, they might lie a little bit less. They're not taking your things in the same way. Maybe they're asking first at least, and then they take it anyways. Who knows? But they start making changes in their life that are bringing them closer to Jesus. That is the person that is showing more faith than the person who started over here and never moves. And so don't be complicit in your faith but move forward move towards what is reliable and true and evaluate does your life even if you're starting maybe you're starting more from this end than this end that's okay are you moving and acting based upon what you know is true so don't shy away from your questions don't shy away from the scriptures if you're scared that oh maybe god of the old testament is a scary guy no he's not Dive into them head first. See that he is faithful and true and act accordingly. And so I'm going to invite up the worship team as we pray. And if you guys want to do the first or the, the second song, Everlasting God, I think it was, I think that would be a great one to close with. But I'm just going to pray with us. You can pray this with yourself too in your heart. But Heavenly Father, you have shown yourself to be faithful and trustworthy. You are a solid rock, something that doesn't wobble and tip around or change with the wind or the weather, but you are worthy of putting our faith into. We've seen your story through creation, from a good world to our mistakes, but you still proved faithful and interacted with us and reached out in relationship. You were faithful. You made promises of the coming one, of Jesus. You, you brought Jesus. You, got, you let us experience you here on this earth. You have shown yourself faithful. And so, Lord, if we have these questions or we're unsure, Lord, meet us where we're at. It says in Hebrews chapter 6 that we first must believe that you are and that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. And so, Lord, I ask that we would move towards you and seek you and that it would cause that positive feedback loop, that as we experience your faithfulness in our lives, as we walk out in generosity and love and compassion, that those things would actually build our faith again as we see it have an effect and a blessing in this world around us. And God, I ask that if there are things in our lives that when we take a look over our finances, our, our relationships, our marriage, how we spend our free time, what we think about, what we dwell on, that if there are things that we know we are acting on that is not from you, that is not something true or faithful, Lord, that you would help us to remove those those blocks in our life that are stopping us from from pursuing you, and that we would act according to the way you've presented yourself in the scriptures, and in my life, and in my friend's lives, and in this church. So may we act according to your faith. Give us the courage, empower us with your Holy Spirit to walk that out. We pray it in Jesus' name.
1: Amen.